Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. The cross was once an instrument of torture and execution, but is now the universal symbol of Christianity, a reminder of Jesus' victory over death. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reflects on this most essential doctrine of our faith, the resurrection. Continuing his series, The Jesus You May Not Know, here's David to introduce today's message, Is He Living or Did He Die? Well, we missed Easter with this message. It would have been a great one for us to have in April, but it didn't work out that way in the schedule. But I've often thought that uh, we should not uh, restrict the discussion of the resurrection to Easter. We should find every opportunity we have to teach that. As you know, uh, after Jesus came out of the grave, it became the topic of every sermon that was preached in the book of Acts. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our faith, and today we're going to talk about it uh, from the book of 1 Corinthians and the 15th chapter. And the question we've asked, uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek, is this, is he living or did he die? And of course, the answer to the question is yes, both. (laughs) And we're going to take two days to talk about that. Next week, we're going to talk about is he past or is he present? Wednesday, is he the king of the Jews or the king of kings? And uh, that will conclude our discussion from this book. But we want you to know that this book has enduring value as we not only have taught it on the air, but it is available to you. You can get the book. You can get the source of all this information. This book that I wrote uh, this year is available to you for a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of May. I can't tell you how important this is, and there's probably never been a time when your gift means more than it does right now as we face the challenges of the economy and all of the other issues that are going on around us because of the coronavirus. So thank you, friends. Thank you for being partners and being faithful and going above and beyond knowing that others cannot do what they would normally do. You are a great blessing to us, and we want to say thank you with this beautiful book. Remember, the book is purple. It is uh, a Donna Jeremiah designed book because it's her favorite color, and um, I know that you'll love it. It's, it's really a beautiful book. The, the design of the book is is incredibly uh, beautiful, and but the, the content of the book is even better because it's about Jesus. And once again, when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of May, simply ask for your copy of the book, The Jesus You May Not Know, and it will be on its way to you as soon as we get your request. Well, let's get started with this uh, lesson from 1 Corinthians 15. We're answering this question, is he living or did he die? I heard about a Christian who was walking through an art gallery in Glasgow, Scotland on one occasion. He came upon a small boy who was gazing upward at a painting of the crucifixion. After watching him a moment, the man laid a hand on the little lad's shoulder and he said, young fellow, what is that picture? And the boy said, why, sir, you don't know, it's our Lord dying on the cross. He is bearing our sins. 
The man patted the boy on the shoulder and said, thank you, and he walked on looking at the other pictures in the gallery. Suddenly he felt a tug at his sleeve, and it was that same little boy again, and he's, pardon me, sir, I forgot one thing. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. (laughs) When I read that story, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The entire chapter says, pardon me, sir, he's not dead anymore. He's alive. If you have your Bibles today, you should find 1 Corinthians 15. I hope you will see in your own Bibles the wonderful message that answers the question, is he living or did he die? And the answer is both. Now, 1 Corinthians might not be familiar to you. You may not know what's in that chapter, or perhaps if somebody said, what is 1 Corinthians 15, you would not answer. But if you were to select the 10 greatest chapters in the Bible, hardly anybody who knows the Bible would leave this chapter off that list. I've never seen a list of the great chapters in the Bible where 1 Corinthians 15 wasn't on the list. It's all about the resurrection. I heard a story about a man who only went to church on Easter. Every Easter he'd go to church. Didn't go any other time. Now, you know there's people in here that do that. I never fuss at them when they come on Easter. I'm just glad they're there. I know I'll see them at Christmas, so I don't worry about it. (laughs) But this boy came to church only on Easter. And one day as he's leaving, the pastor said, you know, I see you on Easter. Why don't you come more often? He said, well, pastor, I would. But every time I come, you preach on the same thing, and it's boring, and I don't want to come anymore. (laughs) First of all, he's admitting that he only comes to church once a year, and then he hasn't figured out that when he comes, it's Easter, and you always preach on the resurrection on Easter. (laughs) In the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives us the clearest and most concise definition of the gospel. If somebody were to ask you today, what is the gospel? What would you say? Well, here's your answer. I declare to you the gospel, said Paul, that which I also received, and here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And Paul insisted that the resurrection of Jesus Christ be a part of that definition. It is pivotal to our lives. In fact, the apostles said that if the resurrection isn't a part of it, nothing that we do has any meaning. In the next few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 17 through 19, Paul says this, if Christ is not risen... Your faith is futile. That means it's meaningless. If Christ is not risen, you are still in your sins. If Christ is not risen, all of those Christians who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ is not risen, in this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most to be pitied. I remember... Growing up in a Christian family and going to the church where my father preached and he always preached on the resurrection on Easter and once in a while he would preach on it at other times. But I was a student in seminary in my second semester as a freshman before I really came to grips with what the resurrection was all about. I'll never forget it. I went to a friendship dinner where Haddon Robinson was the speaker. And he spoke on the resurrection and I will never forget that message. 
For the first time in my life, I realized that the death of Christ is without meaning if there is no resurrection. If Christ died and he did not come out of the grave as he said he would, then his death is no better than the death of any martyr who ever lived before him or after him. The resurrection is the touchstone of the gospel. It was the resurrection that was the message of the apostles after Jesus came out of the grave. And if Jesus Christ is not alive today, men and women, those of us who are Christians should be pitied. And here's why. Because we believe there is a better world than the one in which we live. We believe that this world is temporary. And if Christ isn't risen, we have given up both worlds. We have turned our backs on this world in order to face a world which doesn't even exist. Paul was right. If Christ is not risen, we should be pitied. We simply cannot overestimate the importance of Jesus' resurrection. If it didn't happen, our lives are futile and meaningless. But look at the next verse in the text and rejoice with me. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Hallelujah. It isn't a matter of did he rise. It is a matter that he did. And now we rejoice in the fact that we know the risen Christ and we understand the resurrection. Now, don't miss this. The Bible says that Jesus' resurrection is not just about him, but it's about us. He is the first fruits of those who have slept. I've read that verse hundreds of times without understanding the incredible depth behind it. Today, I want you to consider some things we might never have known about Jesus. And one of them is this, that Jesus is the first fruits of those who sleep. And I want you to just hold your questions about that and let me explain that from the Old Testament. This is a doctrine that we believe, that Jesus is the first fruits of those who sleep. In the Old Testament book of Leviticus, in the 23rd chapter, we have the background of the Feast of the First Fruits. That was a Jewish feast. How many of you know that much of the truth of the New Testament rests upon some understanding of the Old Testament? So let me tell you a little bit about this feast. The Feast of the First Fruits went like this. Every year during harvest time, a Jewish person would go out into the harvest and he would go out into the grain and he would mark out a spot in the grain and he would cut off a sheaf of the harvest and he would bring it back to the tabernacle and he would give it to the priest and the priest would take and he would wave that sheaf before the Lord. What was the meaning of that? Well, it was called the first fruits. It came out of the first part of the harvest and by waving it before the Lord, the priest was saying, this is the beginning of the harvest, but the harvest hasn't totally come yet. This is the first fruits. This is a promise there is more. We bring this offering to you from the harvest, but there's more to come. And he would wave the sheaf. Now, when Jesus says he is the first fruits of those who sleep, and the word sleep there means death, he is waving the resurrection of himself before the Lord and saying, I'm the first fruits. There's more resurrections to come. The resurrections are coming. Now, let me just tell you something about this feast. It was the third of the seven Jewish feasts. And the pledge was presented to the Lord on the day after the Sabbath. How many of you know that Sunday is not the Sabbath? 
And the word Sabbath means seven. And Sunday's the first day, not the seventh day. So when did they wave the first fruits offering before the Lord? On the day after the Sabbath. Which day is that? That is Sunday. And what is Sunday? It is the reminder to us of the risen Lord. On the day after the Sabbath, on Sunday, they waved the sheaf before the Lord, almost as if to connect it to the New Testament. For the Lord Jesus is the firstfruits of those who sleep. It is so interesting to me that this puts these two things together. Because Jesus Christ came out of the grave, we rejoice in his resurrection, but we don't often realize that because he came out of the grave, that's the promise that one day we shall come out of the grave. He is the first fruits. He is the first of the resurrections, and there's more resurrections coming. If you and I, if we live and die before Jesus comes back, we will go in the grave. Our spirit and soul will go to be with the Lord, but our bodies will go in the grave. And the Bible says one day, because Jesus came out of the grave victorious over death, our bodies will also be raised up. How do we know that? Because Jesus was the first fruits, and he's the guarantee, he's the promise that there's more resurrections coming. That's the first fruits of the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. I want to talk with you next about the foundation of the resurrection. And this is in verses 21 and 22. And I'm not trying to get overly theological today. I'm trying to help you grab hold of some truth in this passage that is some things about Jesus you may not know. And I'm pretty sure there's someone here today that did not know that Jesus was the first fruits of all the resurrections to come. Here's the second thing. Let me read this passage to you. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, in verse 21, we learn that there was a time when tragedy came into this world through one man. (laughs) Who was that man, class? It was Adam. Poor Adam. We've been piling on him for a long time. We don't often say much about his wife, and I'm not going to get into that discussion today. By any <laughs> the Bible says, by one man, death came into this world. Did you know that before Adam sinned, there was no death? If Adam had not sinned, everyone would have lived forever. There would have been no death. But when Adam sinned, death was born. And the tragedy that came into this world through Adam is death. But the Bible says in the same verse that through another man, triumph came into the world. And who was that man? That was Jesus Christ. And how did that come into the world? Through the resurrection. Through one man came death. Through another man came life. If you have a Bible like mine, look down at the text and you will notice that the second man in your text is capitalized. Because that man by whom came the resurrection is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what we have here are two different categories of men. We have Adam's race and we have Jesus' race. Really, there's only two races. We hear a lot about racism today. But in the context of the Bible, there's only two races. There's Adam's race and there's God's race. 
He's saying that basically these two races are in the world today. There's the race of natural man and there's the race of spiritual man. Adam is the federal head of the natural race. And because Adam sinned, we've inherited that DNA. We're all in Adam's race. You don't have to ask to get in that race. You're automatically in it. The Bible says in sin we were born. We were conceived in sin. That doesn't mean anything about what we do. It's just the inheritance that we have from our federal head in the natural race who is Adam. Because Adam sinned, we all sin. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now let me pause here and straighten out something that's gotten all sideways over the years. How many of you know what universalism is? Universalism is the idea that everybody gets saved no matter what they do, that we all go to heaven, hallelujah, isn't this a wonderful party? (laughs) Nobody has to get saved, nobody has to repent. If you're born, God is so loving, he's going to take everybody to heaven someday. Not And one of the verses they use is this verse. They say, here it says, Even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But let's go back and look at that verse more carefully. The alls in this verse are particular. As in Adam, all die. That means everyone in the human race, every one of us who are of Adam, One day we shall die. As in Adam, all die. Because Adam once died, we will die. But are all of us in Christ? That is the question. I hope you are. But notice it says, as in Adam, all die. If you're in Christ, the all goes with you. All you who are in Christ, you are. It's not all everybody in the world. It's all everybody in Christ. So as in Adam, all die. In Christ, everybody who's in Christ shall be made alive. Everyone who is in Adam dies. However, everyone who is in Christ shall live. Let me ask you this question. Are you in Christ? You say, how do I get in Christ? You get Christ in you. (laughs) You ask him to come and live in your heart. You accept him as your savior. The Bible says if you're just in Adam, you're going to die. But if you're in Christ, you're going to live. And there's a little paradigm that I remembered from way back when. It goes like this. If you've been born once, you have to die twice. But if you've been born twice, you only have to die once. That's a pretty good deal right there. You say, how does that work, Pastor? Well, it works like this. If you've been born once and you haven't been born again, you're going to die physically and you're going to die spiritually. Physical death is the separation of the soul from the body. Spiritual death is the separation from your soul from God forever. You don't want the second death. You don't want that. The Bible says you can avoid the second death by being born twice. You've already been born physically. Now get born spiritually. Let Jesus Christ come into your life. And when you are born spiritually, you may die once physically, but you will never die spiritually. So let me say it again. If you have been born once, you will die twice. But if you have been born twice... You will only have to die once. And some of you, some of us, I believe I'm going to be one of them. I might not have to die at all because if Jesus comes back before I die, I don't have to die no more at all. How would you like to to escape at all? (laughs) How would it be if Jesus came back and none of us have to die at all? Not physically, not spiritually. Hallelujah. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
So you have the first fruits of the resurrection, and then you have the foundation of the resurrection. Now, this is going to get a little complicated, but I think if you stay with me, we can get through this. This is the future order of the resurrection. Verse 23 says, But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Now, in the Bible, resurrection is a preeminent theme. We have the resurrection of Christ, but there's other resurrections, and I want to go through these with you so you understand them, and we don't leave here ignorant. Stage one is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. More than 2,000 years ago, Christ was raised from the dead. And that doesn't mean he was the first one ever to overcome death. Some people will say, no, Pastor Jeremiah, he wasn't the first. There were people in the Old Testament who were resurrected. What about Lazarus and the widow's son and Jairus' daughter? There were at least 10 events in which people rise from the dead in the Bible. That's true. But Christ's resurrection was different from them all because whereas they rose to die again, Jesus rose to die no more. And when he rose to live in the power of an endless life, he rose with a glorified body. So he is the first resurrection. This is a wonderful reminder for all of us that when we get to know the resurrected Jesus, we're getting to know Jesus as he really is today. We remember, do we not, that we discovered one of the things we may not have known about Jesus, that he's in heaven in his body, in his glorified resurrected body. He is in heaven. When we pray to him, he hears us not just through his spirit, but he hears us through his humanity. He is in heaven. When we see him in heaven someday, he will show us the scars in his hands and the wound in his side and probably where the thorns went on his head. And forever, whenever we see him throughout eternity, we'll be reminded of the price that was paid for us to be in heaven with the Lord Jesus. The degree to which we neglect the resurrection is the degree to which we neglect to think about Jesus as he really is. Jesus is in heaven in his resurrected body. So, stage one in the resurrections is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But how many of you know there's another resurrection coming? And here's how that works. Let me just paint this picture the best I can. Here we are, folks. We're living in the church age. That's where we are right now. How many of you know the end of the church age is when Jesus comes back in the rapture? He doesn't come all the way back to the earth. We go up to meet him, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that when Jesus comes back in the rapture, what will happen is those who have died already, those who are asleep in Jesus, the Bible says it this way. They will hear the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. There's the second resurrection. Rise first. Somebody said, who are the dead in Christ? Were they're not the people that fall asleep in church. They're the people who died. <laughs> The dead in Christ are the people who die as Christians before Jesus comes back. The Thessalonians were all concerned when they heard about all the good things that were going to happen in the future because their loved ones had already died and they were in the grave and they were saying, what about mom and dad? What about gramps and and grandma? What's going to happen to them? And Jesus said, don't worry about that. Paul wrote, he said, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a shout, the voice of the archangel. And when that happens, the dead in Christ shall rise first. That means that all of us who have loved ones who have already died as Christians, they will participate in stage two of the resurrections. The next resurrection that is coming is the resurrection of all who have died in Christ during the church age, during this time as we await the return of Jesus Christ. Resurrection number 
two. Somebody says, why do they come first? And some wag said, because they have six feet further to go. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, tomorrow we will finish up our discussion of this question, is he living or did he die? And before we sign off today, let me just remind you again that Turning Point is now available every day on television on the Trinity Broadcasting Network on Daystar, Monday through Friday from 5.30 p.m. And then on the NRB TV Network, um, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. On the Family Entertainment Television Network, Monday through Friday, once again at 5.30 a.m. On the Cowboy Channel, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. And uh, on WLMB-TV 40, Toledo, Ohio, Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All of these stations and others that I, these are just the new ones. We haven't added all the other ones that were already carrying it. They carry a a different series than what's on the radio. It's altogether different. You can see the scriptures that are on the screen. You can follow along as we teach. And we're we're so excited about the response we have gotten from our brand new listeners on the daily television program. So if you haven't found us yet, find us, look for us. There's a, a station locator at our website. You may be able to find us that way or just get in touch with us here and ask us and we'll give you all the information you need. We'd love for you to join us every day, especially during this time when a lot of you are still sequestered in your homes um, and maybe just kind of getting around to get out. We're here for you, here to teach you, here to encourage you, here to bless you with the Word of God. Have a great day. We'll see you next time right here on This Good Station. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Jesus You May Not Know, please visit our website where we offer two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's new book, The Jesus You May Not Know. It's written to help you reconnect with Christ and rediscover the joy of your salvation. And it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard Version and New International Version, as well as in standard or large print in the New King James, filled with helpful notes and articles by Dr. Jeremiah. Get the details when you contact us today. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Jesus You May Not Know, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong partners, a special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible strong. 
When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca BibleStrong, you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's topical living library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly Influencing Your World newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. Join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. For more information or to join, visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash Bible Strong.